0: Your presentation what's up everybody welcome to episode 112 of the untitled movie podcast i am one of your hosts matt roerbeck alongside he's allergic to tomatoes but he is tomato meter approved
1: eric marchin we've done 112
0: of these yeah i don't know who's still listening or watching but you know they get about 30 views on
1: youtube yeah. So
0: no, I'm kidding. I mean, I don't blame people when I, I, I we put up a three hour video on YouTube. I assume people would listen to that um and not actually watch the whole thing. Not everyone's a YouTube podcast person. I was for a while and then found myself like I like to multitask. So I I switched back to audio form. But you know, it's there. I think our reviews uh, up on on YouTube make a lot of sense, but sometimes this longer show um, does not. But we're gonna keep doing it. Um, Eric, how are you?
1: Well, Matt, it is a Monday. Uh, we're you know recording in the evening, and all I can say is that you know some important news came in uh, just minutes ago. <laughs> Josh Duhamel Breaking. has been cast in the Mighty Ducks reboot, Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Sure, yeah, let's kick off the show Emilio with Emilio Estevez as NHL player turned coach, Gavin Cole. Not to be confused <laughs> with actor Gary Cole, although that would be funny if he was playing Gary Cole play, turned into... An NHL hockey Ch- player, player who then turns, turns into a... De- <laughs> we
0: were joking before. But yeah, it, it'll be a mostly normal episode. Uh, For the most part, we're going to actually go through news. We didn't want to bury like. the lead. <laughs> um, Yeah, Um, we are going to go through news and there's a ton of it in the last week or so. We'll also, you know, shoot the shit. But this week we actually have a bunch to talk about because I know in our last episode we kind of just talked about bullshit like McChickens and skating and things like that. So um, we're back to a Semi regular show. Uh, quickly before we get into the Gordon Bombay news, um, I want to know, Eric. Do you think, like, story wise, that they'll explain his absence? Like, did he actually kill a person with a DUI this time, or, or a Zamboni? You ran him over yeah, with a nah. Zamboni. <laughs> yeah. Well, well it'll God. be it, it,
1: to to promote somebody else's um, podcast. Quickly, there was, How there, dare was you? there was a really good episode of the Important Club Cinema or the important cinema club pardon me uh with uh justin DeClue and mark hansen they normally do the bay street video podcast but um for this show they uh talked about all three of the mighty ducks movies and mark
0: which we did on our review for game changer
1: yeah and and mark was talking about like how he watched all of game changers specifically and got to the end and, and spoiler alert like we haven't that- <laughs> The, the way that they were setting it up is that he was going to be an integral part to season two. So it, it will be interesting to see how they kind of either retcon right that or, or course corrected in a way. But yeah, it's also disappointing to think that like coach Bombay, AKA Emilio Estevez is um, either an anti-vaxxer or just doesn't want to get vaccinated. So, I mean, that's, that's what happens. And, and so they've got to move forward, but it's just funny to think it's like, <clears throat> who can we get to replace, uh, uh Emilio, let's get Josh Duhamel. And Josh Duhamel actually has been um right now, anyways, been the go-to guy to replace people because he also replaced Army Hammer and that Jennifer Lopez rom-com shotgun wedding. So he's right. the Ron Howard of actors, Josh you know Duhamel. What? Good for him. Um little
0: housekeeping this Friday, uh, January the 28th, we'll be doing our first ever live episode of this show. Uh, That should be interesting. Uh, It'll be at 5. PM. Eastern uh, 2. PM. Pacific over on the kind of funny games, Twitch handle. So twitch.tv slash kind of funny games with special guest, Greg Miller Um, should be fun uh you guys have heard me talk about kind of funny um a lot i've appeared on screencast and a couple different shows over there uh i've done a show with pretty much everyone of the main cast of kind of funny except for greg so i'm excited to uh chat with him about video game movies i know he's a big uh, advocate for day and date uh digital and home releases especially being a, a new father and stuff now too so excited to talk to greg uh I hope you guys can join us. If not, it'll be up on podcast services and YouTube on the following Monday, so after the weekend. So uh, that should be fun. Yeah, Eric, it' um, a little snowy again today
1: here. A little. It's been freezing yeah. for the past week or so, yeah. like getting dipping down to minus twenty at night. Um, you know, you can't feel it's your nothing. Your I went hands skating. I went skating in minus twenty
0: one, minus thirty with
1: windshield. Okay, we shield. get check it.
0: out the last episode. Everyone, <laughs> thrilling content. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I know. I looked outside and it looked like a a whiteout again today. So uh, I've just been, and I mean, there's nothing to do anyway. But um, have you been watching much? Have you just been last week? We talked about we've been watching a lot of TV, and that's kind of continued for me at
1: least. Yeah, same. I mean, I we can't really talk about um the newer episodes but if you go over to untitled movie reviews you can listen to us chat about the first 3 episodes of uh the after party so Basically, after watching that, I caught up with uh, the other episodes up until the finale, which is not available to us yet. So we'll talk about that more when the embargoes lift for each individual episode. But I will say that um, there are a lot of interesting sort of moments and, and and avenues that the series explores that were very unexpected and exciting to kind of dig deep into that. And I think it's becoming a really – I think it's becoming – other than – like. Apple TV plus is really interesting because they have so much money to work with and they have so much content as well, but it kind of feels like, you know, they're, they're making it for the sake of competing with Netflix or Disney plus, but they don't also really advertise a lot of the stuff. So when you go yeah. on to the press site and see like, you know, 12 or 13 shows that are available now, in addition to what's coming, you're kind of thinking to yourself, like, like, why Why aren't they, like, maybe, like, targeting this better? And, like, some of it that I have seen, with the exception of Ted Lasso, isn't that good? It kind of feels like it's just, again, they're making this stuff to kind of fill a quota. But watching the after party, I would say that, like, them spending millions and millions and millions of dollars on these programs justifies it alone for both Ted Lasso and uh, the after party specifically in terms of their uh, narrative based content. And yeah, both of those shows are, are comedy sort of adjacent or focused, but there is some drama in, in Ted Lasso. In both, but, yeah. But I mean like, yeah, the after party where again, we, we can't talk about it too much, but the after party does have some sort of kind of almost Bitter notes of of melancholy in there as well. But yeah, I, I think that they are the, the flagship shows of <laughs> Apple TV+. Plus. And it's just, again, interesting thinking, like, I knew nothing about this until you told me that, you know, Christopher Lord was directing this series that Lord and Miller were also producing. Like, I didn't know anything about it whatsoever. And again, that goes to how Apple barely seems to be interested in advertising even their films we've talked about this in the past as well with coda and the tragedy of Macbeth. more recently
0: yeah it's interesting i mean i think like their streaming platform is great like i feel like i know we've watched we watch these on the uh, the screener site and for screener sites it's not bad um but their actual streaming platform, it, the quality and the bit rate, and if you're watching it in 4K, Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos, like there's a consistency to the look of all of their shows that I actually do appreciate. That doesn't feel like the Netflix thing where everything looks exactly the same. But I mean it more so from just a quality standpoint, like you can really tell that they put a lot of money. They're a tech company first and for- foremost. So um, just their streaming quality is is fantastic and i actually kind of find them like i guess i don't watch a lot on apple tv and i think they are getting better with more and more intriguing content i know they pushed out the morning show really hard uh i know they had that show with um jason momoa c i think yeah. right and like nothing really kind of uh grabbed me and then on the film end they're spending more and more money i mean we even have a couple stories today about um, I mean, we can talk about it right now, I guess. Um, Sunday, uh, not Sundance skydance.
1: Sundance is happening right now.
0: Um, well, one of
1: their films is playing at Sundance, which is, uh, the sky is everywhere, which comes out on February the 11th, uh, on, on the site. So I'm sure we'll have a review of that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. But skydance, um, signed a first look deal, uh, with Apple TV plus for feature films for live action, feature films, skydance, uh, the production company behind mission impossible, uh, and a ton of other things the they've always been <clears throat> the terminator they've been partnered with paramount for the longest time so those franchises will all stay or at least have um like a first look at paramount so unless paramount turns them down they will stay at paramount um but anything new they're working with apple tv plus on a on a first look deal and then also on top of that there's a new godzilla monsterverse show that is going to be premiering on Apple TV Plus and not HBO Max, which I think is really interesting because it's Legendary, which is the production company behind the MonsterVerse. So, the and they've Kong been releasing all of those films recently <clears throat> through Warner Brothers. Yeah. So. It's interesting that this MonsterVerse show, I wonder if they went to Warner Brothers first and then Warner either turned it down or I don't know how that exactly works. But it's interesting that we're going to get a MonsterVerse series that is tied to those movies that are, you know, HBO Max, Godzilla vs. Kong was there not that long ago. Well, it was last Um, year. Like, that's one of those
1: movies that I like, like looking at all the films that I watched in, in 2021. That was one of the few films I was like, oh, I thought that was the year before.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Everything's blending together for sure. Um, but I think you're just seeing Apple tv flex you know how much money that they have and i think that godzilla show is one thing the skydance thing is another thing like i i bet you warner looks at that and goes that's way too expensive <laughs> we can't make a godzilla tv show like Look, we've already committed like, to
1: the dune sisterhood series yeah we can't and even that, that you can just kind of shoot
0: it in the desert and then kind of figure it out afterwards but this i feel like is going to be incredibly expensive and then even prying skydance away from paramount i think is and then you're seeing the other deals that they that they've made with um scorsese
1: and um and well ridley scott who's shooting his napoleon film right now And, (laughs) and, and and yeah and like like again Another show that, that is kind of popular, and, and I think it's on its third season, is, is M. Night Shyamalan's Servant series and things yeah. like that. So you are seeing a lot of, and Spielberg even, you know, uh, initially yeah. kind of, and J.J. Abrams getting invested in uh, the business of Apple TV+. Um, yeah, I, I, I still feel like in terms of their growth they have a a ways to go because like when netflix first started netflix's sort of original programming the two things that they were kind of really selling were both house of cards and orange is the new black and now with apple tv plus their big thing was like well we have ted lasso and now it's like we have ted lasso and we have all these other things that are kind of either niche or marketed specifically for you know a a targeted demographic and and like even the after party like is not probably going to be for everybody and it's probably going to cater do you
0: think it'll catch on I, like, I, th- like I Ted Lasso? I like, think the
1: murder mystery aspect is popular enough and, and, and it does feel like this show sort of gains a little bit of momentum because of Knives Out doing so well yeah. and that kind of this this resurgence of the whodunit recently. So I, I do think if people give it a chance, they will be interested in it, at least in the mystery part of it and trying to figure out who the killer is, and yeah. I and I think that's enough. And the week to week format should probably help that exactly. Too. And and that's and... that's something that even though in the past we've talked about like you know sometimes it's fun to binge something and have everything there and kind of watch it over a weekend, but it doesn't always work for every. Program And I think something like the after party, much like what we were talking about with yellow jackets, it almost works better as a week by week basis kind of thing where, you know, you can have a conversation over an entire week in in terms of just that one episode and it lingers for longer. Right. And you have this sort of social uh, media boom about it as well. And people continually talking about it until the next episode where if you release it all at once, it's like people talk about it for, you know, a weekend or a month or so. And then it kind of fades unless it's yeah.
0: best case scenario, you know, a month, worst yeah. case a weekend or like Netflix case, right now all, has but... squid
1: games still. And they're kind of riding mm-hmm. that high. Season being, two, they confirm announcing that and that no. it's going to be this bigger world and things like that. But but you look at like a lot of their programming, I mean, like right from you know tiger king and 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 that tiger king 2 came out and no one talked exactly (laughs) the first one benefited partly because of the pandemic beginning and people all wanted something to kind of like distract themselves and also to find something that was maybe like they could be like oh well at least my life isn't that weird or that bad and yeah because of that i think it, it it did very well and it is trash television um but then again, like you even look at something like the Queen's Gambit or 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 any like I'm not I'm not knocking what Netflix is doing or, or in terms of their format. I'm just saying that not everything works on a on a week by week basis. I think that's why like even something like the Last Dance, which is amazing, but was a partnership with ESPN and, and the way that they were releasing, week week. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's why it benefited them so much because people were just so engrossed by one episode and just focused on it for so much longer.
0: Do you think Netflix ever changes? I think eventually they probably have to spice things up, so they do. But then that's a double-edged sword, I guess, because then your people who love your format of just getting everything and binging it are going to be mad when you go week to week, right? I think we even saw that with some recent series, I think. Well, they tried that with the fear street series, right. On
1: Netflix, right. Where like, even though it was, it was a film series and a trilogy, they released each individual film week by week, week by week. Right. So, um, and I think they're doing that with the new Kanye West um, documentary film trilogy that they're releasing okay, at like, one a week. Yeah. Um, but it is like a film trilogy and not like an ongoing series. But it's still doing that week by week basis where it's like, tune in next week to yeah. see this, you know, episode like, or this exciting conclusion of.
0: Yeah. Stranger Things is so huge for them that I feel like it could have even been bigger if it was a week to week show. Yeah. And like, I I really do think that. And I they'll never change that, at least with established series and stuff. But um it'll be interesting. Um, You know, I think they had a, uh, it's not a news story that we have, but their quarterly earnings came out and they missed a bunch of targets and um that they like subscriber base and added subscriptions and they're struggling to add. I think they've saturated the market so much that they're struggling to find those last few people that don't have a Netflix account and how they can convince them to get one at this point so it's interesting I don't know um but then going back to Apple yeah I I hear what you're talking about the only things like I watched a bit of Mythic Quest um which I thought was good I just I don't have like a strong desire to like make sure I go watch this new season it's one of those shows that I'll like I'll get around to it eventually. And then on a rainy day, I'll, I'll
1: binge the whole series. I and you like the and McGregor series, but I didn't include that in terms of um, like, don't look up. Yeah. Or yeah, don't look. Cause yeah, I was sorry. I was, not don't look up Um uh, long way up. Yeah. Cause I was um, including more so just like the narrative features. Yeah. The narrative but I mean series. that,
0: but again, even I think as a whole package, that series is fantastic. And going back and watching the other ones in 4k and, and Dolby vision, I think, uh was a lot of fun too. And then um I gave uh, physical a shot, uh, which Craig Gillespie has just been nonstop <laughs> the last couple of years. Um you know with Itania, with Cruella, with Physical, he has Pam and Tommy coming up. He's developing the already...
1: Chippendales film with Dev Patel. <clears throat> um yeah. So
0: um I gave that a shot, never didn't really work for me uh dickinson nevis watched a bit of that and i i I watched a bit with her but i don't think that stuck um i've wanted to watch the shrink next door but i don't i haven't heard one way or another this is kind of the problem that you're talking about like that came out with will ferrell paul rudd was you know the typical thing three episodes and then um week to week and i just didn't hear many people talk about it i think it's supposed to be good it's just and it has you
1: know i like both will
0: ferrell and paul rudd a lot
1: and you think that would be um, a big selling point for a lot of people that love like say anchorman or something like that mm-hmm. would be and also like paul rudd kind of the cachet of being you know the most sexiest man alive and you know riding sure. that high and like really promoting it but it almost will ferrell kind of, doing something uh dramatic again too right yeah to but it, it, it almost just comes and goes like it's just it's it, it's yeah, Unless you are actively seeking out new content on the site, it's almost like you could just go through a week or a month or a year and not know what they're releasing. And I think
0: that's just growing pains for them. And I don't think they really care. It's something that we talk about where they have so much money that I think right now they're using it as a additional thing we do that is like a add on to all the tech that they actually make and like any phone you buy everything i open there's another get 3 months of apple tv get a year of apple tv for free or they're like sign up for any apple thing and we'll give you an entire year for free cuz i feel like it's just like an add on service that they have and and they want they're just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks and then also building relationships and and all that kind of stuff where i don't think any of this matters if it does well or not because uh, they just they have so much money to burn that they're just doing this to start establishing hey look we can do this we'll give you creative freedom we'll we're great to work with we'll get better people to work with and then they'll slowly build it up and I don't think that they really care if they have a lot of paid subscribers or or anything like that and I could even see them using this to establish something before they Apple, I mean we we didn't cover it, I think on the last episode, I think it broke either right after or maybe right before it's more of a video game thing, but um Microsoft purchased Activision Blizzard for seventy billion dollars or it ended up being like sixty eight point whatever billion um which is just under what Disney paid for twentieth century fox and um you know you could argue, is it a good thing, is it a bad thing um you know uh monopolies and everything and uh, I think you're just going to start seeing, unfortunately, like bigger companies swallow up even other big companies and then even some smaller ones. So I wouldn't be surprised if Apple eventually, you know, just buys another studio or um, another streaming service or something to consolidate things. But, and then that's why they're just kind of working on the tech and and putting things out and it doesn't really matter. But um, yeah, I mean Ted Lasso was a huge hit for them, Um and I, I hope After Party is. I just I, I some to all the points you make that worries me that it's just gonna kind of come and go, and no one's gonna really talk
1: about it. And, and then Lord and Miller, a lot of their stuff like pre twenty one Jump Street and 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 Cloudy with a Chance of Meat, well even Cloudy with a Chance of Pulse, those shows or those movies and 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 their programs. Are growers like there are things that take time to really build an audience like you even look at something like clone high it's become a cult success over the decades with people kind of finding it after watching you know 21 jump street or more recently the mitchells versus the machines and wanting to go back and see you know what they did to begin with and what they start where they started and so you know like i feel like lord and miller are those guys that kind of build word of mouth where maybe like a show like the after party if it had a little bit more sort of um muscle in the marketing would benefit um a show like that but it's going to have to really work on people like critics like entertainment journalists you know that have watched it really kind of championing it and continually talking about it so when it is available this friday uh june or january 28th i think that it's going to be one of those shows that hopefully if given the chance should catch on yeah but again saying where they are now
0: who knows it's got a great concept so i think
1: that will also help like to
0: to the point that we made in the review like it does keep things interesting and you'll always i think whether they do little teasers to tease what the genre of the week is going to be i think that will keep people interested or even someone who you know likes musicals and they go oh shit episode three is a musical or likes i won't spoil anything or likes the fast and the furious yeah exactly and like those are in those first three episodes of rom-com and then there's some without breaking embargoes, there are some really cool things that they do um, in the next episodes that touch on different genres. And to the point we made in the review, like it's, it's a really clever show, not only in its mysteries, not only in its um, comedy, but like in it's the way that it, they even shoot the different episodes based on the genres uh, is, is really kind of cool. So I, I I hope it picks up too. And I hope Apple TV you know, does well because they have a good streaming platform. They're starting to scoop up really good filmmakers and things like that. It's just with a lot of these streaming services, dude, I think Disney's the only one and I hate always going back to them, but like that, like markets all their shit properly, (laughs) like to the point where I'm like, I know it's out. I know when it's coming out. I anticipate Wednesdays. Um, You know, I guess uh, HBO to an extent, I think has always done, Actually, not even to an extent has always done a great job of knowing Sunday nights are huge um, on HBO and, and things
1: like that. So it's not um, TV, Matt. It's HBO. Yeah. Well, I mean, like mm. I, I, we're not going to really talk about it too much, but it is fascinating as well. And I guess we could put this all in in there. Is that like with Amazon? Amazon is similar to Apple, where you know their tele- their media production is not their their sort of first and foremost interest i think
0: prime's the one no one talks about
1: (laughs) exactly but they already released a teaser and it's not really even it it's it's morford clark of saint maud um doing a voiceover for um the new lord of the rings series but that show doesn't come out until september but they are marketing it in january already Uh, they're
0: gonna put everything behind that so
1: it does seem like you know in terms of like what would be the apple equivalent of that coming up where it's like oh they have something that they have put a lot of money but even into. netflix
0: is looking for that next thing right like yeah. i think they're stranger things is coming to an end uh, squid game was a surprise hit to them um but on top of that i'm trying to think of like I, they're gonna try with their movies and stuff still and they've always been looking for you know that's why we're getting a red notice too and we're <laughs> getting like the old guard too is like shit no one really wants
1: Well, like, especially when it's it it, like netflix i mean we've talked about this as well before where netflix does okay when it comes to giving an a tour filmmaker or or you know somebody you know a, a festival movie, a, a shot and, mm-hmm. and, and giving, you know, the, the bells and whistles that come with that, you know, whether you get like a Charlie Kaufman or more recently a Jane Campion, like they're, they're...
0: freedom and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah.
1: But in terms of um their, you know, their, their potential franchises, they really have struggled with creating something that people are interested in creating Buzzworthy sequels and, yeah. and sort of building upon, a, a, a first or... film yeah yeah you know they're yeah. not disney plus they don't have a, it's almost like it's like you need the name brand recognition to really establish something and i think probably they will be hoping that they'll get some of that with the knives out sequels where it's like okay yeah. we already have this movie that was a huge hit again talking about the Who Done It thing that kind of re-established and reinvigorated a sub-genre and now that it's already played in theaters, it's become a worldwide hit. They have both the sequels; the second one's coming out this year. You know, Ryan Johnson has become a name because of Knives Out, and and uh, you know some controversy with how people react to uh, the Last Jedi, specifically. <laughs> so I almost feel like they're they are really putting a lot into this.
0: Is that too much pressure movies. on Knives Out, though? Yes, like, I, I think, think so. Yeah. For, for,
1: for a weird little kind of like yeah. almost chamber piece yeah. murder mystery, it, it would be like the same thing of putting like that much pressure on the after party um, mm-hmm. or or even like Death of the Because that was Isle. a big
0: piece of, <laughs> that was a huge piece of news is that Knives Out 2 looks like it's coming fall 2022. Probably we'll do the festival circuit again. The first one played TIFF, I'd assume – this one will and it'll play the fall festivals. But, um, yeah, I don't, I, I, again, I don't, I gotta go back and revisit knives out. Cause I was one of the people that just was kind of soft on it overall, but I, I've had a dull an, blade
1: for you. I like
0: who done it. I like murder mystery, single location stuff. Agatha Christie kind of stuff is really intriguing to me. And that's why knives out was super intriguing to me. Uh, well, you like the
1: hateful aid as well in terms of, yeah. The, yeah.
0: I love that. Um, I just kind of left me, you know, TIFF is a weird time too where I, I don't trust myself sometimes. Like even though we professionally review movies during the festival and stuff, but sometimes you see something and your brain is mush or you, your expectations were one spot or just numerous things can kind of warp what you think about a movie. And I go back and revisit things years later and I go, I'm a moron. That was great. So I am hoping that's what happens with Knives Out. But I feel like for that to be like the thing like Netflix is banking on, like, yeah, it's a great filmmaker. The first one was really successful. Um, you know, it's got a great concept that they can revisit every two to three years or something like that. Um, just have Daniel Craig keep coming, keep coming back. And it's something he can keep doing after bond and have a steady kind of thing. And it's not where, as physically demanding yeah, as bond. It's, yeah. And he's having a lot of fun with it. Right. And, um, it seems like, you know, everyone in those movies will. And if he can establish that to be a thing that's on Netflix every couple of years that people anticipate and has, I don't know, maybe goes this social commentary angle again, and each thing kind of says something about the world or, or whatever, I think could be really, really interesting. But I don't know. I think that's a lot of pressure to put on Knives Out, which feels like, I don't know. Like it, it, I'm good on him for getting the hundred million dollars each or whatever they got. Like that's amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I think the streaming wars, it's something we revisit every, and that's kind of what this topic has been. Um, and kind of incorporates a lot of the news. Cause I feel like, you know, even in the time we're in with theaters being closed, that's what we kind of have to resort to. And I think it is the future and, and it's the present really. And, um, you know, everyone's doing it a similar but different way and they're starting to get too many of them. And we, we talk about this all the time. So something has to kind of uh, break and and them figure things out. But everyone's kind of successful and also struggling in similar ways and learning from each other. Because I think the stuff we're talking about, on Apple TV is the problem. Netflix has had a, for a while of just put their stuff comes out and you almost don't realize, or they start to produce so much. And I don't think Apple's at that point where it's producing too much. Um, but yeah, well, they're
1: producing a lot of stuff. They just don't know what to do with it. Like that's yeah. the thing where it's almost like, again, they have all this content and they just throw it at the wall and see what sticks. And really only one show has at this point in terms of defining like what an Apple show is or like why you go to apple tv plus to begin with Mm -hmm. but it is interesting as well like i've I've been reading um a little bit about this this week um on uh david poland's the hot button he has a three-part series he's done part one and two where like he's talking about you know the statistics of you know streaming services versus cable and it's just interesting that like cable isn't completely dead yet there are still a lot of people an older demographic that still have cable and it's not it it will go away and it will become completely streaming at some point but it's it it's funny how we underestimate um there's so many shows
0: and there are a couple shows like you know nevis and i watch the amazing race i watch a lot of hockey like there are those kind of like you know, times we have to turn on the cable box or or whatever to watch something live on TV. Um, And that doesn't happen very often anymore. But the commercials you see, I'm like, what the hell is this show? Right, And and then you look online on Wikipedia and it's like, oh, yeah, that show gets 13 million viewers every week. And you're like, oh, this is a thing for a lot of people still. It's just a corner of, of entertainment that I don't uh, participate in much anymore, but I see shows constantly getting advertised. Um whether they're bad Canadian shows on C uh, CBC or um, you know, just cable cop shows and w- medical shows and things like that, which is the majority of, I feel you like you got your Hudson's cable. and Rex, you yeah. got your
1: son of crit, uh <laughs> yeah, crit, oh, which yeah, is supposed to be like uh um, yeah. shits creek kind of capitalizing yeah, on yeah. that success. Um, yeah. yeah in terms of but but then again like you look at like what some of the most popular shows are on television you have blue bloods you have ncis yeah. you have law and order which is coming back um all these which shows is that older generation the baby I boomer that, yeah. generation that are watching cable as if you yeah. know streaming doesn't exist but that's another thing that you need to keep in mind like i've been thinking a lot about this with my grandparents as of late the world doesn't really consider anybody in their late 60s into their 90s in terms of you know how the world is run now because you know you look at the way that not even media is but you know setting up a doctor's appointment now like a lot of it is done online but it's not yeah. you know we don't consider you know our our grandparents generation or you know we we have to always help them and and it's it's interesting that the world like i'm, I'm thinking about this now and obviously it's not something i have to worry about immediately but like i wonder when we're if we make it into our someone's gonna have to show you
0: how to plug into the metaverse man exactly
1: (laughs) and that's the thing that scares me because like i feel so bad for a generation of people that don't use a computer or don't have a i think
0: we're good because we grew up at the beginning of this tech boom where you know we lived through both i think we were old enough to be smart during the pre-internet days or we kind of grew up as the internet did as well so i think we're going to be there's going to be some things we're just never going to understand but like uh, but i think when it comes to tech i know i'm i'm a bit more techy than you are and I, but I you like, adapt to things and um, you
1: adopt early technology I ad- adopt or, early on everything. or if you've worked with it i not mean, not nfts worked within though, the fields. <laughs> like i have never used TikTok. But I know sure. you used yeah. it for work. I mean I and- worked
0: on TikTok, yeah. which I don't know if I would I think I eventually would have downloaded TikTok if I didn't work on it because it did get so huge that you know I knew people who when I even when I worked on it two or three or god, four or five years ago now, because I don't know how the pandemic works. Um three years ago maybe? Three years ago, um, yeah. Yeah. Um It was so. It was just in that rise of TikTok. It was already huge in China, but it started becoming huge in the uh, in the US. And uh, I remember it just being a trash fire. Even and then there'd be the odd funny thing or creative thing, and then it just became even just gigantic. And like I still use TikTok now. Like it's just mostly like what Vine was. You used Vine, right, Eric? Like, No, I never used Vine. I know what Vine Vine is, but I watched
1: Vine videos on YouTube because there's like compilations and stuff Yeah,
0: which you can do with TikTok as well. But there is some really funny stuff. There's some creative stuff. There's, you know, there's people doing film criticism or film analysis on TikTok and some of it is, you know – uh, not great. Some of it is they're very charismatic people on there that are doing cool things, and like there's very funny shit on there. And the algorithm is the thing where I feel like going back to the streaming thing is uh, you know, I think a lot of these places are just jealous of TikTok's algorithm because it is so good, Eric. Because like you haven't used it, but if I told you to download TikTok tonight and use it for a week or two. You'll start like every video it feeds you is so tailored to exactly like whatever their algorithm is, whether this mathematical equation on if you like something, if you share it, the amount of time you spend watching it, how they categorize their their content is is kind of wild to the point where that keeps you engaged on the platform because it's constantly feeding you shit it knows you like. Where I feel like that's going back and bringing this to our original point of these streaming wars is like they have that problem of wanting to keep you watching stuff. But I think it because of the commitment is a, li- a bit larger on a lot of this stuff on Netflix and Apple TV and Amazon and Disney Plus and things like that, that, you know, TikTok, they're 15 seconds to three minutes. of course, And it's you quick can to make those scrolling. things, too. But right? you might where... sit there for three hours and watch it where you could have watched um, the Batman um right but
1: but 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 it, it's 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 a lot quicker to make that content yeah. than say like a a, sure. a a netflix or an apple tv plus because first they have to make it it's and a very then different
0: thing to, but they're still yeah competing where with
1: where or. TikTok is so quick it's reactionary right like it's reacting to it's what all, you're uh, user created too yeah. right
0: and then so it's very different but i feel like there are some similarities it's there what, but going it's, back
1: it's kind of what Quibi, Quby, Quibi wanted to be Quibi
0: wanted to be. Yeah. wanted to be the TikTok of streaming services and we saw how that worked. No one wanted to consume their content in 10-minute segments for 40 chapters or whatever it was. Um god, Quibi what a time. Um but yeah, I think eventually the metaverse stuff is is unf- you know, I think a lot of people are hesitant to adopt new technology and I have no doubt that VR is the next big step. Like, again, just the the things people are pitching right now just look like a horribly shitty version of Ready Player One. And I'm like, if anyone say what you want about that movie or or the book or or, or whatever, um, I don't think the message there was, hey, we should do this. <laughs> like, right. Um, or even which the Matrix, seems to be right? like, yeah, the Matrix is even uh, predates that and, and is exactly kind of what they're trying to do. And. Um, it's really interesting and I have no doubt, like I think, I think once a accessible VR headset that is comfortable to wear and that looks great is available to everyone, that will be the thing that kills movie theaters. And that will be the thing that kills, um, a lot of this stuff. Because if I can sit in my living room and get an experience on a giant movie screen, that's almost, you know, looks better than what i would get and customizable to proper masking eric and no one on their phones kind of thing but it looks like i'm sitting in a theater why do i need to go to a theater and i think that's the metaverse stuff is like sporting events and different things like i don't want to sit in a 3d space and watch something act out around me that does not sound appealing to me that sounds stressful and I don't want that but like if you go Matt you can throw on these goggles and you can sit in the stands at a hockey game or it'll look exactly like you're sitting in a movie theater with great sound I'm wearing these headphones or whatever like I don't know I guess if you're craving that experience with other people but there's got to be a way that's you know I don't know how that works but that's where all of this shit is going and it started with streaming services well you know
1: where it really feels like it's going i can't believe i'm pulling from this it almost feels like we're going to a place because even the way that you look at like how you know robot technology and and android synthetics are being built now and 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 trying to create like a lifelike um version of uh you know whether it be a sex doll or or some robot
0: of... umpires are going to be in baseball next well year. <laughs>
1: i was thinking like you look at the movie surrogates with bruce willis sure, where yeah. like we stay at home and we plug into a robot version of ourselves and that, that version of ourselves goes out and does whatever like i feel like that's where we ultimately are <laughs> yeah going but it's gonna to. be
0: an addition that is what it is you're just creating an avatar and you'll live most of we already here's the thing people who are hesitant towards this i'm like you're already doing it and I sound like one of these douchey like we well, already live on your metaverse. phone.
1: Probably you live like on the hours of d- a day. The, you
0: live on the Internet. You do yeah. whether it's social media, whether it's watching stuff like it's just taking everything we do and putting it into a interactive 3D kind of space it's just right now it all looks like garbage like everything they show they're like i'm in the metaverse you can buy this property and nfts and put them out in a digital museum and own it in your home and you're like all of this sounds so dumb because it looks awful and it's not appealing like everything looks like what the sim like worse than the sims i played the sims online in like 2000." five or earlier and i'm like that looked better playstation home people are talking about and like uh there was a game called second life that all looked better than some of this metaverse stuff that they're doing but like what is appealing to me and apple is supposed to release a headset this year but it might be more like uh business focused rather than like (laughs) half an apple (laughs) yeah um but i i've played with i got a vr headset literally right here and um it's I'll pull it out, but um, my uncle lent it to me because he's like, I don't even use it, but I have like an Oculus kind of headset and it, I've used it a bit, but it's still janky enough that it's not super appealing. And if you do get motion sick or wear glasses, there, you got to figure all that shit out. But um, it's you can watch stuff and it looks like you're watching in a movie theater. Like I'm saying, it's just there's something off still about it and I think that's what we need to figure out but I don't know yeah another know, film that, that kind of
1: predicted have. a lot of this was david cronenberg's videodrome where like you can basically both with reality tv and sort of logging into a world that is basically yeah. customized for your own personal fetishes and like yeah. I feel that that's basically where we are now to to your point where We spend most of our lives online, whether it be for work. I mean, you know, most people now, if they are, you know, working either remotely from home or have to go into an office, are either on their phones or they have a computer, but they are sort of following trends, gathering data, researching online. It's not tactile anymore. I mean, it's the same conversation we have with physical media, where, you know, people that go to a library or, you know, do something that is kind of completely without any traces of, of technology analog. Analog. Yeah. It's, it's so rarefied at this point that like, again, going back to older people having trouble, like one thing that I had some trouble with that, you know, that you helped me out with was but also I feel like generations that are in their you know late sixties into their into their eighties or nineties, if you're traveling somewhere, you know, if you're from Canada specifically and you need to use the uh the Arrive
0: Can. can yeah, the Arrive can,
1: can uh app, you know, like you need somebody like a grandchild to or you know a a a son or daughter that you know knows this stuff, right? Like it's it that's also tricky for a lot of older generations and it's the world isn't made for seniors it really isn't and that's something that i've i've been thinking a lot about recently because again like i had to kind of help book an appointment for um a a chest x-ray for my grandmother and it was all done via online like she she couldn't call in and like you she doesn't have a computer she's never used a computer so right right you yeah. know just
0: yeah I, I feel yeah and i feel like it's interesting where we went from that conversation starting with streaming but i think that it, it all is tied together and I, I it'll be fascinating to see where everything kind of goes in the next you know because that's the market years. that
1: they really haven't tapped into as well like that's something that i think is really worth noting is that a lot of that generation don't have you know, they have cable. That's it. They don't have even on demand services and things like that. So
0: um, sorry, I was just checking on uh something. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh moving on from that. Uh I watched Free Willy the other night and it fucking ruled. <laughs> it was so much fun. Uh if we're sticking to what we've been watching on a streaming service, I watched it on um on Crave. Um, it was on there. Um, and Nevis and I had an absolute blast. I haven't seen that movie in 20 plus years. Uh, I probably have, I watched it so much as a kid. I remember it. And like watching it was so much fun because like things just kept coming back to me, like scene by scene where I'm like, I remember this so vividly. Um, and I haven't had that much fun watching, you know, it's pure nostalgia. Like, uh, Um, and, but I think it's like a legitimately like good or fun kids movie. And like, I was surprised that it held up as well as it did. Um, like by no no means is it like, you know, very deep or anything, but like as a solid kids movie with a good message, I'm like, this shit rules. And I'm like, this was really, really good. Soundtrack slaps. I know we don't like to talk about Michael Jackson, but that song at the end, fantastic that was a big Uh, part of that movie's promotion oh huge because right when that song came on another song i hadn't listened to in forever and i remember after that movie um as a you know a young boy um i was what four when that came out you would have been five i think um and i might have seen it a bit later i don't think i saw it in theaters or anything but um it was a huge part of my life, and um, it just it popped up, and Nevis and I were like, "Do you want to watch Free Willy tonight?" And then uh, had a blast. So, and they made three of them with the same cast, and I was like, "Oh, I totally thought two and three would have had completely different people in them." I'm like, "How? Well, three
1: a new character. Like, three focuses on a new character, but Jesse, Jesse, right? Yeah, he's in it, but he's like a okay. supporting role. Is he? Yeah, okay." It's almost like the way that, Um, like, going back to Mighty Ducks, like Coach Bombay in the third one. Yeah, because he probably gets too old, right? So they need another kid to come in. Um,
0: But I was just, I'm like, oh, my God. I totally thought this would have been a franchise where it's just about a whale and they just kind of bring in a new cast and it's direct directed video. But I'm like, no, they made a whole trilogy with, like, Michael Madsen comes back for the second one and, like. I don't think he's in the third. I think it's what you're talking about where they only bring Jesse back and and the Randall, the guy that he befriends um, who worked at the park. But like um, I'm surprised how much I it it stuck with me. And I'm like, I had a blast watching that movie. It was so much fun.
1: The 90s was such a huge time for for kids movies where it was like. We need a kid and an animal. You know, I think Free Willy was kind of the the film that kicked a lot of that off, or at least was the most popular of those films. Because, like, I think of, like, some of them I haven't even seen, but, like, there was a lot of movies where, like, think of, like, Homeward Bound, the remake of that, or you think of um, Dumps and Checks In, or... Um, Andre the movie with the seal like there's there's mm. a ton MVP. of those like MVP a lot of yeah. those kids with an animal or airbud even right like like those yeah. movies are so popular in that and it's period. an animal
0: that is like weirdly smart yes <laughs> like, like way too smart or and can play like, a sport yeah, or yeah. does
1: something that is like like Eddie's like, another one as well
0: yeah watching Free Willy I'm like is this Whale an alien or something. I'm like, it can understand English perfectly. It can like communicate with people. I'm like, it's like king of the whales, like the number one whale. Um, and I'm like, this is incredible. And there's just some great delivery. Like, I couldn't stop laughing of like Michael Madsen delivering the line, What are you doing with my truck and this whale? <laughs> I'm like, um, Nevis set the fire alarm off. Sorry, everyone. Um, Nevis is cooking, I'm recurring <laughs> bit on the entitled oh, movie podcast I'm so sorry, <laughs> it's so funny uh she will turn that off in a second eric i'm gonna mute you talk about what you've been watching
1: yeah um so in or free in, Willy.
0: whatever you want well i about.
1: mean with free Willy, it is funny to think about like again i haven't watched in probably two decades oh the another one that i remember watching as a kid was the amazing panda adventure a lot which was oh weird. shit I, I haven't thought about that movie in a long time My brother Connor was obsessed with it, weirdly enough. Um, But yeah, like, it is one of those things where it's like, there's a certain trend in a certain era and like, you can pinpoint like where those movies either started or had their most successful kind of run. And I think Free Willy is that movie where it's like child and an animal film, you know, and, and that's kind of like the, the biggest sort of example of that the milestone the highlight of that period of time i mean yeah to your point like like the air the airbud movies and mvp films they kind of kept going even now like i think they're still airbud oh, air Bud, like,
0: yeah there's a whole airbed airbed uh airbud cinematic universe that i think we went through on the show <laughs> yes yeah.
1: so like mm. it's it's it th- there there are people that are watching it and, and and I'm sure there are generations now that grew up with it that are showing their kids it and, and are using it as either you know as a babysitter or what have you. Um so going from <laughs> Free Willy uh to a chode, um I watched episode four of uh Peacemaker, and yeah. I think the series kind of finally clicked for me. Like I liked the first three episodes. But there was something about episode four where like the combination of both kind of the subversive qualities of the characters and sort of the sort of grounded version of a DC story mixed with the kind of sympathetic nature towards a kind of pathetic character worked really well. And James Gunn's writing and directing can be a little bit too much at times. Even though I do like the guy quite a bit, I think when he's working with somebody else, someone like Jody Hill, who I didn't even know, directed episode four until yeah, the I name did. came up.
0: I, I knew he directed some of the series. I think Gunn directs the majority of them, but Jodie Hill and someone else comes in.
1: But yeah, Jody one. Hill's for people that don't know, like it it's so perfect. Like, like he's a guy that kind of came up with David Gordon Green and Jeff Nichols and Danny McBride and, you know, directs movies like the, 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 uh, the fist the foot, first foot, foot first fist way. way. And then also like the film, like the reason why peace he's bounding down and yeah. Yeah. And observe and report oh, observe yeah. and report the character that the, the mall cop that Seth Rogen plays in, in observe and report feels akin to, uh, John Cena's piece. Yeah. And, the kind of moments where you feel bad for peacemaker and for for chris it, it's both this combination of being pathetic but also self-loathing and you can understand why like you know you you feel that he is a loser still but you can still at least appreciate where the character is coming from and how he was brought up or sort of how he feels like an outlier on society those things work so well in that episode and then freddy storma um as vigilante is, is so good is amazing in this episode yeah. you know we were texting back and forth about this where you know as he's introduced you're thinking okay he's a, a variation on deadpool basically sure. very obnoxious over the top um the the worst impulses of what peacemaker is but you know to the extreme this episode there was enough room and shading for him even in terms of where his storyline goes and you know his friendship with chris that i think works really really well and a moment at the end that i wasn't expecting to be as emotional uh for that character because he is a sociopath um really hit and and i think that that was one of the most surprising aspects of episode four
0: yeah i think i, I totally agree with you i'm, I'm st- still loving the series i can't get the uh, theme song out of my head i listen to it constantly i watch the intro on youtube sometimes if i just need uh to smile before the next episode um but yeah episode four i thought was fantastic um i think it touches on a lot of the things we, we touched on in the review where i, I think they're even more so now into episode four, giving each one of these kind of um, outcasts kind of their own little um, spotlight and, and giving some depth to these characters that in Suicide Squad definitely didn't have any depth. Um, but then even Cena, we we talked about in the review, like in Suicide Squad, I wouldn't say he's one note or anything, but I think that, you know, he he works in Suicide Squad, but because that's a big ensemble cast and he's just a, you know a a very large part of it but just a part of that overall story like you don't focus too much on him and to get his old whole series you're like how could they sustain this to be interesting and i'm just shocked at um how much i'm enjoying it and how much i'm intrigued to where they're going with this butterflies story and then to your point with um um, uh, freddy storma who got brought in uh Five and a half episodes in and they reshot all the scenes because they had a different actor in that role, I think is wild because I can't fathom anyone else doing this now. And I looked up the other guy and I think he's like a uh, I forget who a soap opera actor maybe or something like that. But um, I just think he's done a great job. And that's a character that, to your point, should be like grading and not work. But they found a good balance of of that him being a complete sociopath and him being like a a, a doofus that I think is kind of like everyone in this series um, of that mix of sociopath and and doofus. So, uh, and it just works really, really well. Still very funny. The action sequences are a lot of fun. Um, I do think that this episode toned it down like a little bit while still keeping that kind of tone that they set. uh, And I think that was a good thing. Um, I think we have seven episodes in this or is it? Eight. i'm not sure but um we're about halfway done now and i i'm like eagerly and antis- way more weirdly way more than boba fett like we get boba fett on wednesdays um And I'm like, man, is it Thursday yet for Peacemaker? Which I I never thought I would say. So, um, I'm especially for, for DC
1: shows as as well, because like, like the Marvel stuff, it's like, it, it becomes event television where you have to prioritize watching that partly because of social media, but also because, you know, it, it's designed in a way like a lot of TV is right now to be, um addictive in that kind of cliffhanger type ending of every episode where you need to kind of continue it, where it leaves off. Um, So when you're, when you're watching something that's either, you know, the Mandalorian or, you know, uh, WandaVision or something like that, you're, you're, you're completely in tune with, you know, when the show is going to be released. I mean, like that first season of that WandaVision series, like, people like actually either waking up at 3am and in, in mm-hmm. Eastern Ontario or or in sort of, you know, in the Eastern time zone, it, that to me tells you that like, you know, again, like, you know, week to week watching is still very much alive. Oh. For sure. For um, sure. But yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a better show than I was thinking it would be, but it really does feel like it comes together in that, Fourth episode like it's like Mm -hmm. okay like all the parts are now kind of like moving I get why they wanted to kind of you know take this detour with this character specifically because like watching the film and I know you rewatched it recently as well and you talked about it on, on one of the last shows it's not the character that you would think like, Oh, if I'm going to like do, you know, choose someone (laughs) six or seven episodes or eight episodes of a series, that's not the character I would pick first. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, And yeah, James Gunn has done very well with taking, you know, Pro wrestlers and and playing to their strengths with Dave. Although I, I think Dave Batista is a better actor than than John Cena, but like you yeah. look at like very with,
0: different styles, both very funny, but like yeah. I think Batista's good at that quiet, brooding kind of uh, role as well. But they're
1: both very literal in sort yeah. of how their comedy works, you know. Yeah. And, but I think Dave Batista, there's, there's more there's more range and that's when you see something like blade runner 2049 and you see like or that one even but... yeah like you see like the the one scene in, in blade runner 2049 and he's only in that opening sequence but that prologue he's so memorable that he kind of stays with you for that whole film i don't think john cena could pull that has off has that in him no, no. Absolutely but not, not to say that john cena isn't capable of being you know an entertainer, a personality, that kind of thing. But I would thing. say the
0: same thing about The Rock, right? Yeah. Like, I, I think The Rock is a h- incredibly charismatic guy, um, is very good at what he does. Uh, but The Based Rock on is the good the material, at, too, yeah. right? And yeah, The Rock is good at a specific thing. Like, I, I don't think I'm going for, you know, a memorable uh impactful performance from the rock but um i'm there for like you know a popcorn movie. other than painted like game like, which he's great um, in that. he's actually very good but then that shows a bit of range right? right like uh uh to be fair anything else you've been watching
1: eric uh yeah so um a movie that i had seen parts of which you know is is a, a literal pun um but i'd never seen the whole thing and i just had this weird inkling to watch it um on Saturday morning of all times. It was just it was it was there and I rented it. It just got a Blu-ray release as well not too long ago, but I was like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm kind of curious. It's only an hour and 28 minutes, a uh, perfect runtime. Uh is uh Eric Reed's uh Body Parts uh from Here I think the bathroom a, I'll be right back. From there. 1991 with Jeff Fahey of um probably best known to a lot of people now from Lost. Uh, in the later series, and he plays a criminal psychologist who gets into a horrible car accident and loses his arm, Um, but this medical team led by Lindsay Duncan's uh, doctor um, attach a new one on, and, you know, you think, like, oh, this is this great breakthrough in medical science and technology, and it's going to change the way that, you know, um, uh, amputation and uh, sort of, you know, medical... Uh, procedures work is 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 going to happen, but then it becomes you know, like your classic like B movie where you find out that the arm is actually you know formally a part of uh, a death row inmate and whether or not the personality of this death row inmate is being injected uh, into the thoughts and and sort of motivations of uh, Jeff Vehe's character. and as he slowly begins to lose uh, control, He is, um, you know, thinking whether or not he is becoming uh, a serial killer himself. And so with that, while you're watching it, it's, it's not a bad idea, but it does almost feel like there's something missing from the film because it is so short and you're watching it and you're thinking to yourself, okay, you have Jeff Fahey as this criminal psychologist who, you know, loses his arm in this horrible car accident, which is ridiculous and so over the top. It, it takes place on a highway and he literally goes flying out of uh, the windshield. But it's almost <laughs> like one of those like dummies that you like, you can clearly see like that. A like a Super they, Dave thing. Yeah, exactly. And you can't help but laugh at it. And then when he gets this new arm attached to him and it's the arm of a a, a serial killer that possesses him, that begins <laughs> to possess him. It's It's so ridiculous, but it's like, I, I could see this working and, and, you know, Eric Reed wrote the hitcher. He wrote near dark. Um, this was him kind of expanding into um, directing as well. And, and watching it again, like there, there, there are parts pun intended that I think are interesting. Like even casting Brad Dwarf um, as almost a red herring, because you think like, Oh, he's going to be, you know, the killer. Cause like in the, in the scene where Jeff, he goes into the uh, emergency room when they're, you know about to put him under to attach a new arm on you see the other gurney or the other yeah the other uh gurney being brought in with um this serial killer on it and you see this you know bone saw being used and they cut the head off of the serial killer um but it's funny because like the serial killer's name is charles fletcher and then in child's play uh brad Dorf played uh Chucky, and Chucky's character's name is Charles Lee Ray. So you're thinking to yourself, oh, like, is he going to become the killer or the villain of the piece? And he's not. He's actually a halfway decent person, a little bit naive in terms of what's going on, because he's also a recipient of the other arm, as you learn. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very schlocky, early 90s horror B movie that I always remembered as a kid kind of being more sensational and disturbing than what it actually is. Like again, even like the sort of like the main crux of the film, the body part stuff doesn't really come into play until the last act. And it's kind of just breezed through so quickly. It's more of like this psychological drama of this guy, like, trying to figure out whether or not he's, you know, slowly descending into madness or if there's something more to this. And then like, there's these random like monologues where, you know, him and other recipients of, uh, you know, this, this donor are sitting at a bar and he's having this metaphysical conversation about like, where does evil, you know, lie? Is it in the, is it in the heart? Is it in the soul? Is it in the flesh? And you're just like, <laughs> movie come on <laughs> but it was it was it was kind of fun for what it was but it's not great perfect but I just, saturday morning yeah i could see it actually working like if you were to kind of i guess pun intended as well flesh it out a little bit more i could see a remake of this working really well and it's just also interesting to see at a time where like jeff fahey was kind of like being cast in lead roles like this and um lawnmower man and now has kind of become um a more respected character actor mm-hmm. because yeah. of lost specifically and yeah and... i was
0: gonna bring up lost because that's my jeff fahey kind of uh focal point and he's like, very good in lost like he's yeah he's great when he shows up in season three four maybe even two i forget um i'm gonna rewatch that soon with nevis because speaking of Lost, like we watched five seasons and then never watched the last season <laughs> So she still doesn't know how it ends. So I'm uh, excited to finally watch that with her. Um, Yeah, we both watched fun. You said mid 90s this came out too? Early 90s. So it was like 91. Oh, so we both watched like early-ish 90s random movies this weekend. So love to see it. Um, Eric, do you want to get into... we We talked about a bit of the news. I don't think that there were any trailers. We talked about Moon Knight. So you guys can go check out our uh untitled movie conversation uh for moon Knight. i think eric and i had a really fun um like 40 minute conversation on moon night as well as kind of where we see you know the mcu going with these pockets of the universe that they're doing with multiverse stuff and supernatural stuff and then the grounded kind of uh, political earth kind of stuff uh really fun conversation there uh, other trailers that that dropped there was the cuphead show trailer that's coming out on Netflix speaking of Netflix we just talked about cuphead um, popular video game that came out on uh, the Xbox and other platforms uh, the art style is I don't know if you saw any of this Eric but it's not really your thing because you're not a video game guy but no uh, the art style is it's got that old kind of early hand-drawn film, art style kind of thing that is really uh really kind of cool Uh, i'm trying if it was meat
1: boy i would be there do you know super meat boy yeah from Um, indie game the movie that's that's okay yes
0: i forgot that's how because i'm like how the fuck do you know super meat boy uh but i love that um
1: i mean i yeah i don't play video games anymore but like my my extent kind of goes from like I think N64 was like the the, right. the peak of my uh, video game knowledge and then a little bit of PlayStation 2 and that's about it.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk a ton about video games and video game movies with Greg Miller uh, on the Super next Meat Boy better be a topic of um, discussion. I'm sure Greg would love to talk about Super Meat Boy. But you. Indie indie Game um, the movie is a really is very solid good. Yeah, 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 it is very, very good. Uh, we got a Pinocchio teaser trailer uh, for Guillermo del Toro's animated uh, Netflix film that's coming out in December or the fall of 2020. I think I think it is December. Yeah, yeah, I think it is December. Um, basically, uh, Ewan McGregor uh, plays Jiminy Cricket and uh, kind of narrates this opening trailer. It doesn't show much. You only see Jiminy Cricket coming out of the heart of pinocchio um but it's stop
1: motion anime stop motion
0: uh looks gorgeous even in that one quick scene um and it's interesting these phases we go through because we're also getting the disney live action pinocchio soon from robert zemeckis which has tom hanks in it right As geppetto and, uh, yeah as geppetto so um you know i guess i guess um i'm excited for this i, I like stop motion and, and obviously del toro is he directing
1: it or just? Producing he's co-directing it. it. There, okay. there's someone he's working with. It's it's very similar to when Wes Anderson did Fantastic Mr. Fox with right. uh, Henry Selleck, where it's it's a it's a co-collaboration, and I think it's partly as well because one, because Guillermo del Toro. I mean, even though there are sequences in a lot of his movies that require special effects, or you know, he's 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 very much um, a visual filmmaker. He does a lot of drawing himself. He's not. Um, you know, accustomed to uh, the animation department. So I think, you know, him working with somebody, like, uh, uh, same thing with Anomalisa, right? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, you you, you have that co-collaboration. I also liked this teaser, and I think what I like the most about it is that it clearly is going for, you know, we talked about this with our Nightmare Alley review, and I think it actually will do better here than maybe Nightmare Alley that gothic kind of tone where like even like the whites of Jimmy Cricket's eyes without any pupils kind of yeah feels almost like it's not going to be for kids even though they will probably market it to children like well, it's got almost... that
0: like Coraline kind of Neil Gaiman kind yeah, of yeah the like, like, uh, stop yeah, like, like a stop motion animation stuff, yeah.
1: but like like even mm-hmm. uh the mm-hmm. Brothers Quay like things like that yeah. where like it, it doesn't really look like it's for like i think the robert zemeckis movie will probably be more for children although i think oh. that might actually look more frightening <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, if if it's if, if polar express is to be a, a a you know a base of comparison but um yeah i i i'm excited for this and it, it is fascinating that like you know every now and then you get movies that either come out the same year that are like you know the armageddons and deep impacts or you know that come close to each other whether it be like um, you know, the two Capote movies or things it's like just, that. Yeah. So
0: this is, I guess, cyclical where, you know, someone goes, Oh, it's been a while since we got, it's been a while. You know, or I don't know. There's a Pinocchio. They, there've been a ton of adaptations of Pinocchio. Cause it's probably, I'm assuming in the public domain. So anyone can make a Pinocchio movie. Um, which is why you're kind of seeing it it's just interesting when they happen at the exact same
1: time well we even um, saw that a little bit as well with battle angel alita like that kind yeah. of plays within the pinocchio sort of yeah. milieu as well so a little bit you know like that's you know or, or even uh, avengers uh, age of ultron when when um ultron no strings know, on me yeah so. great sequence was awesome in the trailer
0: um the movie not so much
1: i go back i know you've come it. around on it a little bit more but it's yeah. not
0: it's still lower tier mcu but i really one day soon i maybe before the next big marvel event movie i want you to rewatch them in chronological order and i want to get an updated
1: oh, That's a tall ranking. order
0: um i want to get an updated ranking because i feel like going off memory yeah but
1: i feel like my my group like yeah going off memory for for certain films is like I think your
0: list won't change that much no. don't get me wrong like I don't I think Iron I, I Man think, 3 will
1: reign supreme. I,
0: yes, I think the top of your list will still stay the top of your list. I'm more curious about the middle to bottom sections because I feel like that's where the most uh things can change just based on new context just the way in which you watch them one after another, like, I think it's really interesting. So,
1: but, I don't I mean, want to watch The well, dude, Incredible Hulk or Eternals you got again. You gotta do it. Like, the one I actually yeah. do want to re-watch, and I'm excited to kind of maybe go back to before the sequel comes out, is Doctor Strange. Yeah, Because that's the one where it's like, I remember watching it and thinking, like, you know, it's not bad. I, yeah, I enjoyed I it, the same but thing. I wanted to like it more, yeah, but I felt I like completely. I probably would like it more if I saw it again.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's one that – that and Ant-Man was that weird time where I'm like those characters just didn't do much for me and no. like those movies didn't do much for me. Um, but I'm, I'm sure, you know me, I'm a glutton for – not punishment but just more MCU. well no you stuff, love so it. you love the just MCU. comfort it's, you're a scholar it's
1: of the mcu sure. matt so you watching um, it again and again is no different from any act i had an watching. itch i had an
0: itch i'm like do i do it do i do the imax enhanced versions on on disney plus which i started with iron man and it's just like i talked about yeah you it. It were talking about weird. this word like the framing is the framing, is, the the front, framing yeah. is weird uh keeping on trailers a couple other things we haven't covered yet uh x um the uh new movie by uh ty west ty west uh a24 film came out uh loved the vibe of this trailer and ty west is like it's texas chainsaw massacre um
1: and it's it's interesting because like ty west is one of those guys who when he first started with both house of the devil and the innkeepers which actually both funnily enough like if you're looking at like the, the actors that are in those films that kind of went on to bigger careers, both Greta Gerwig and Lena Dunham are in those movies, respectively. Uh, Gerwig's in, in, in uh, House of the Devil. And then uh, uh Lena Dunham's in The Innkeepers. Um, those two movies were, especially House of the Devil were great slow burn horror films. And like, you, you really did have, they had like a retro vibe to them. Oh they? yeah. So, like you. I remember, I think, Ooh, what do you what do you have in there? What did what did Nevis make you? Nevis made some Greek chicken and vegetables. Oh nice. Um, well, thank Nevis, because that looks delicious. It does look good. Um but yeah, like you you watch House of the Devil and like there's I remember Greta Gerwig and Ty West had both talked about at one point or another that like the 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 coke cup that she's holding in the one scene that she's in like they went on like ebay and online and looked for cups that were like in the late 70s early 80s because like of the the period but like they needed to make like every detail authentic to when the film took place and even if it doesn't take place necessarily within that context like those those two movies are so well done. That when I remember with the sacrament being so excited for that movie and thinking like, oh, you know, Gene Jones, this character actor who's probably best known in that one scene in No Country for Old Men where you know Javier Bardem flips the coin, like he's getting a lead role in this kind of like weird sort sort of quasi Jonestown esque. Interviewed
0: murder. him at TIFF for that movie. L-
1: lovely character actor. I really, I I loved him even in and going back to the Great hateful dude eight as well. Uh, Sweet Dave in, in in the hateful eight. Um, and so, like I, I, I can't not dislike a, a a film for doing that. But I just remember being so disappointed with like that kind of vice documentary behind the scenes. And Amy Simons is in that movie as well. Um, behind the scenes style stuff, and and like also, I think that film maybe unfairly gets a certain connotation from the people that saw it at Toronto because of that being the press screening where a film critic uh, called nine one one during the press screening because somebody wouldn't put away their phone. Uh, but that film was really disappointing and it kind of felt like after that Ty West kind of just disappeared for, for a long period of time. He popped up. He was, he was an They're actor in the Valley in, of violence. Didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. With the, with Ethan Hawke. And he was in as an actor uh, you're next. Cause he's yeah. friends with that group of, of guys like Adam Wingard and, and things like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. We'll stop eating for a sec.
0: How is it? Um, it's delicious. Uh, it's very, very good. Um, yeah, I love the vibe of this, and I think it has that vibe of his earlier stuff, where that he, you know, the period accurate, even from the style and the cameras or and stuff that he uses. Like, I don't know. I just it had that, you know, like you said, Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibe to it. That I'm like, oh, I'm really, um, really intrigued by this. Um, we got the trailer for Kimmy. Uh, which is coming to HBO max um, new Steven Soderbergh thriller. Um, ah, d- it didn't do much for me. It's a pretty conventional trailer. Um, I'm hoping it's, it's not as conventional as it looks and I'll. Um, Will Matt Star- Damon pop up in it? That is yeah, the question. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, but uh, you know, Soderbergh is good at this kind of stuff that kind of straddles that line between art house and, and commercial. But um, you know, I, I, I don't know. What did this trailer do for you? It didn't do much for me.
1: It didn't do a lot for me either, but I'm again, I don't want to judge this film by its trailer because I I do feel like, you know, when Soderbergh's in that sort of groove of doing like a schlocky B movie kind of riff, he can have a lot of fun. Like even though Unsane's not a great movie, there are moments in that film that are more surprising than what um, a lot of the promotional material had so you can yeah. never re- you can never really judge a Soderbergh movie by um you know the, the marketing uh, you just can't and 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 I think like it is trying to sort of cast a wide a net as possible it's because like, of the hBO max thing too bro. yeah look at this like you know uh sort of paranoid thriller that is kind of using the angle of being stuck inside your home that's kind of a little bit Alexa. you know, Alexa, uh, covet adjacent, but also yeah. reminded me a little bit of the film Copycat with Sigourney Weaver and Holly yeah. Hunter. Yeah. So, like, you know, it's I'm still interested in the film and Same, I'm excited yeah. that we're getting a new Soderbergh movie, but in terms of just what the trailer did, it was very little. Yeah, I
0: agree. Um, and I think that kind of wraps trailer talk. Uh, all right, uh, a little bit of news we talked about. Um, the biggest piece of news was just Josh Duhamel uh coming in to replace Emilio Estevez is, is it, it Duhamel or is it Uh I, I do DuMol. Um you Gavin said Gavin Cole I baby, say baby, Gavin Cole. Um, you know, I never finished uh Game Changers. Um I, I, we reviewed the first, you know, bit of it,
1: right? The, I think it was the first um, 3 episodes and then yeah, we I think we I both- watched a bit more. I did as well. I watched up until the reunion episode when you brought in the old players again.
0: And then I dropped off after that because that's kind of all I was looking for. Um, You know, it was a fun kid show, uh, but it was very much for kids. Like, I I think to ride that nostalgia wave, there wasn't like a ton, even for fans of like, you know, if we grew up with the movies, like, yeah, Bombay was in it. They had that reunion episode, but. It was very much a kid show. And now with Bombay leaving because Emilio Estevez (laughs) doesn't want to get vaccinated. um, Everyone get vaccinated. Uh, And I'm sure everyone listening to this probably is. Um, And if you're not, what the hell are you doing? Um, it's just interesting now completely. I wonder if they'll bring anyone else back from that original series to kind of still have
1: that connective tissue, but um... I'm, I'm sure they're going to try to get Joshua Jackson to pop in for one episode. Cause I mean, he is doing a lot of TV right now. So it's almost like, you know, why not, you know, do an episode or like, I'm, I'm surprised they actually didn't ask him to come in and, and, Or maybe they did something there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I just, I'm also just thinking to myself, if Emilio kind of plays ball or puck in this case, um, and they want to bring him back and like, they write like this season where like to your point where it's like, he got arrested for the D,
0: uh, DUI,
1: they could have him, um, you know, coaching a jail league and sort of created an inspiring Oz esque season of, uh, um, Mighty Ducks game changers. Yeah, I would, I would. I would definitely be watching that. I mean, to Disney Plus now they're expanding their their oeuvre with you know Pam and Tommy. So who who knows what like a Disney Plus series at least internationally with is. Star. Yeah, yeah,
0: because
1: yeah. um, that's a Hulu I, series in the U.S. Mm,
0: right. I don't think they would go the Cobra Kai route though and turn a kids' show into like a uh, you know I guess not a show completely for adults but a show that drops f bombs and. um And is more, I guess, older, young adult slash adult series. But we'll see. Um, Rapid Fire. Cinemas are reopening in one week here in Canada or here in Ontario. Um, So this is very focused on our Ontario listeners. um, But Eric and I are pretty pumped. I I guess, like, it's hard to tell, like you know, what is okay to do, what's not. They've kind of stopped reporting on numbers. They, you know, there's no proof to say that transmission was happening in theaters, but they will be opening up 50% capacity, no food or drink. Uh, or they're not selling food or drink. I did Unless you get today. that mask. <laughs> the snack mask. <laughs> um, um, that just made me laugh, so go check out my Twitter if you want to see what I'm talking about. I love like the things that it listed. It was like one hot dog, a, uh, a like a calzone, or like and like six McNuggets. I'm sure it's a joke, but it's very, very funny. Um, but I'm pumped we'll finally be able to see um, Scream, Scream 5, um,
1: hopefully we'll have a review at some point too.
0: Yeah. So I'm hoping we'll be able to see it next Monday and have a review out next week at some point. Um, very pumped to finally go see that. Um, you know, I, I, the we'll have a review
1: of the 3,500 at last.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. We got to record that still. Um, did we record that?
1: No, no we didn't. We didn't because yeah, we were told great. not to.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, we could have recorded and banked it, but whatever. Yeah. So anyways, uh, thrilled that that's reopening on, um, on the uh 31st of January. jackass forever uh, baby oh i know that i'm pumped i might even do like a birthday screening of that we'll see maybe rent a theater for Ooh, jackass forever that, that could would be fun. good um, but we'll see um, but yeah i'm pumped that we'll be able to see five cream we'll be able to see um <laughs> we'll be able to see jackass forever and then leading into our next story the batman on march uh 4th uh it has a confirmed runtime of just shy of three hours. I believe it's like two hours and 55 minutes with credits. Um, So three hours for uh, Matt Reeves, the Batman. Um, You know, we talk a lot about runtimes and I think we joke about them a lot. And of course I like to see a, a good 90 minute movie, a good, 70-minute movie, Petite Maman. Everyone check it out when I Body Parts out. at a lean um, one hour, 28 minutes. I love it. Um, but then there are a lot of long movies that are fantastic as well. Drive My Car, which Eric Which just, I've watched
1: twice. Um,
0: which Eric has watched twice and raved about. I still need to watch it. Is part of that because of the runtime? Absolutely. So, you know, it's this kind of tricky thing where- I think good movie is good movie and bad movie is bad movie. Am I thrilled to see a three hour Batman movie? I feel like that means Warner brothers has the confidence in it. Matt Reeves is very confident in his vision. Um, you know, we've had long Batman movies before all of the Nolan movies. I mean, Batman begins, I guess was on the shorter end because it was the first one launching it, but like not shorter. It was still two twenty, I think. Um, but then you had, uh, uh, The Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises being two and a half plus hours. Um, You know, Batman versus Superman was hella long. You know, we've had, you know, not theatrical, but Zack Snyder's Justice League was four hours and two minutes um so we've had long we even uh, spider-man
1: right with no way home like 245 yeah superhero movies are are usually over two hours
0: and they're getting longer Uh, and longer and you know some movies it works out some it doesn't eternals it didn't spider-man it did you know and yeah and venom is like a a breezy 61 minutes (laughs) but to
1: to that that there's that saying i think that it was like roger ebert that had said that or, or i'm basically paraphrasing where it's like no good movie isn't long enough and, you know, no bad movie isn't short enough, you know, like you need to like, know that, like it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter as long as it's good. I mean, there are some things when you're watching a film and you're kind of like thinking, even yourself, a good movie, you could go, Hey, you could cut a little bit. Exactly. You can still, do, you can still say that and be critical of it. Like there are some movies that don't need to be, two and a half, three hours long, especially when you are bringing back a character that people are so familiar with. So it will be interesting to see why the Batman is three hours long and or nearly three hours long. And part of it probably has to do with the world building and they're establishing the tone of this version of Batman. They're reintroducing this character yet again, but also everything that we've heard news-wise that they're you know expanding it into multiple series with the you know the gotham police department with the penguin with batgirl even even though that's in its own thing that's but the still, dceu thing but yeah but it's still like it, it's still within the dc still the bat family even yes. if it's a different universe yeah yeah and so with all of that like it kind of feels like okay how much of this is going to go off in all these other sort of like directions and then like the murder mystery at the center of it and and like i guarantee this this is something i guarantee not having read anything not spoilers i will go to the bathroom at least three times that's one thing but the 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 second thing which i think is important to to note is that i think it's going to begin with the death of peter skarsgård's Skarsgård's district attorney character, and then at the end of the film, we're going to be introduced to Harvey Dent. I think that's kind of where it's going to go.
0: So my mouth is full. Sorry. Do you think they've cast someone then for that? Yes. Put yes. I pause do. as I chew. Okay. Do who? I do I know? think
1: uh, no no I I don't know but I like I think that's the other thing that we'll probably get a lot of because Matt Reeves has said that the world of Batman's rogue gallery has already been created. Like a lot of people are either in transition to become the villains that we know or are already there in some capacity. So I have a feeling that's another thing that the reason yeah. why this movie is going to be so long is that we'll probably take a detour and be introduced to villains and maybe surprise actors that we don't That'd know be awesome. that are in the yeah. film that will be in future installments. And I have a feeling that is like the, The way that Batman Begins ends with the Joker card, even though at that time it wasn't necessarily a tip to a sequel. It was just kind of like a fun button at the end of that movie. Again, yeah. I do think that Harvey Dent will be the new DA that's brought in like at the end to be like, Oh, well we got a new DA, his name's Harvey Dent or there'll be a scene where we actually see Harvey Dent kind of going into a court case and flipping a coin or something like, yeah, it just kind of makes maybe sense. if it's
0: just from behind or it, maybe they yeah. cast someone or, or whatever, but, um, that would be dope. I think you're right about the SARS guard thing. They've already kind of released that clip, um, online of that sequence. Um, where he comes out with the bomb, we've seen in the trailer and stuff like that. I I didn't watch the whole thing because I'm just we're I'm kind of in lockdown mode where I'm like we're a month away from this thing. Like I just want to see it. Uh, and well, you I, have been listening to the um, the, theme the score, that they which were is released. available on streaming services now or platforms music streaming Spotify. Um, it's like seven minutes long. Uh, Actually, uh, different than I anticipated. Like it's got that brooding like dun 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 dun, but then there's that kind of classic Michael Giacchino. Uh, kind of more tender, like middle part to it that I wasn't necessarily expecting. So, um, yeah, I I absolutely can't wait for this movie. I love Matt Reeves. Uh, three hours sounds great to me. Like again, good movie is good movie. Um, and I hope it's great. Um, will I have to go to the bathroom a lot? Yes, but that's okay. I'll try to find. I mean, I finally watched the entirety Just of buy the Suicide that snack Squad. Mask. Um, yeah. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that could work. Um, and then because I missed scenes in both, like I miss a scene in every movie. So it's a, kind of fun rewatching them at home now because I'm like, oh, I didn't see that scene. It was something new. It's like a director's cut when I watch it at home. Um, but yeah, I, I'm pumped for a three-hour Matt Reeves Batman. I'm like, I, you know, I, if, I, I think we've, again, it goes back to the right filmmaker. You know, it actually shows that the studio has confidence in it, I think, because most studios now would be like, there's no way we're letting you release a three hour movie. Uh, Cause that's less show times and less money
1: and, and, and things like that. So well, right um, now though, as well, like yeah. the lockdown or lockdowns or, or limited capacity is one thing. And then on, on top of that, every other film for the most part has in terms of like franchises or tent poles has moved out of March because of the Batman partly. I mean like Dr. Strange is one of them. So Yes. As Matt chews on his food. Um,
0: I try not to do that that much more, but it's so good. It's very, very good. Um Paramount delayed a bunch of stuff, including uh Mission Impossible 7 and 8. Um, Boom. Yeah, which is a bummer. But it's interesting because you're seeing a lot of studios like, I mean, even Paramount with Scream and Jackass and Top Gun, which they didn't move. Um, but something like Mission Impossible, maybe it's in because of the post-production or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, they punted them each a year. So we're still getting them back to back like year after year. Uh, but it's 23 and 24 now instead of 22 and 23.
1: Tom Cruise is going to be in his, what, early 60s? It was wild. That? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then A Quiet Place Part 3 got moved as well, didn't it? Yeah.
0: That was the other one. I was trying to think of what the other one was, which is the one that um, is the spinoff one, which they uh, was supposed to be. What's his name from Jeff Mid- Nichols, Jeff Nichols, but he dropped out and then they just hired someone, right? The director of Pig. One. Right. There we go. That yeah. wasn't something that that was the week before. I didn't have it on this news uh, listing, but that that's awesome news. And I hope Nick Cage shows up in the Quiet Place universe now.
1: As his character yeah. from Pig.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, that's a bummer about Mission Impossible, but uh, I mean
1: it's still it's still being released. Like that's the thing where like, I, I delays suck, but at the same time, it's not like it's the movie didn't get made. You know, it's it 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 will get released. It does it, at some point will come out, but you know we have to wait a little bit longer. So you know that's fine. It's better than ha- not having it, I guess.
0: Um, Heat Two. This is going to be a novel.
1: Oh yeah. Are you going to read it? I'll try. Yeah. I'm curious about it because I know Michael Mann like he has had such an interesting sort of trajectory. It started as a potential series and was actually shot as a pilot and then it be, you know, it became the movie that it is. But you also had, like, man talking about, like, oh, I wanted to explore more with both, you know, these lead characters. And it seems like it's going to be doing that because it takes place in both 89 and 2002. So you can have both, you know, De Niro's character in 89 and then you can have Pacino in, in 2002 and kind of maybe connect those two dots. Although I don't know if it is going to focus completely on those characters or if they'll just be maybe referenced or, or or what have you, but um, it
0: probably is because of how they're doing it. I think it, it, it would be costly to de people and, and things like that. De-age so De
1: Niro I, again.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I feel like this makes the most sense when it comes to doing something within heat, which I, I will read it. I think I'll, I'll rewatch the original one in and in, in 4k and then probably read this. And I, I'm, it's definitely intriguing to see, People use other mediums for sequels or something like that or something in their in a universe, especially something like Heat, which isn't necessarily like building out the Heat cinematic universe or anything like that, right? But to revisit those characters and do it in a novel, I think. The Heativerse? Really, yeah, is really interesting. Um quickly, Daniel Radcliffe is playing Weird Al in a biopic. Uh very interesting choice. Um, I'm down. Daniel uh did I say Daniel Craig? No, Daniel Radcliffe. No, you
1: said Radcliffe.
0: Okay. Um, Daniel Craig
1: is weird now.
0: <laughs> that would be even better. Um, I like Rad- Radcliffe's like choices since leaving Harry Potter. I don't think he's you know not on a Rob Pattinson level of like of um, he's not a as good of an actor, but um, always doing interesting or weird things and. Um, I don't know if we needed a Weird Al biopic, but I'm I'm down for it. I just, I hope it's not as conventional as most biopics, but I don't know. My
1: Bologna, the Weird Al no. story. No. Um, yeah, I I agree. I mean, I'm a little disappointed. Paul Rudder, you weren't cast in <laughs> in the role, but um, yeah, I mean, like Weird Al is an interesting enough guy that I think, you know, like why not have a biopic? I, I guess it just depends on how it's told. Like if we get a conventional biopic, and it's just going to be a dime a dozen kind of thing, where it's like, oh, you just take an interesting subject and you kind of dilute it and water it down in a very conventional manner and show like, you know, kind of maybe average moviegoers. It's like, oh, you know, there's more to this kind of like novelty act than than meets the eye. I would probably prefer a documentary. Just thinking of like how what Edgar Wright did with Sparks, like yeah. Sparks is another band where it's but like, do that okay, with Weird Al, yeah, yeah. But obviously, Weird Al is much sort of is better known than 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 sparks or a lot of those other novelty acts from the 1980s specifically but um, i saw weird Al live at casino rama will, will it, we get a scene where awesome. he's shooting uh sandy Spy-heart? wexler behind sandy the scenes <laughs> yeah um but yeah to your point like i do like that daniel radcliffe even though none of the three leads of harry potter have kind of been able to have the same success individually Rupert Grint
0: on Servant which we Servant, talked about yeah, earlier and,
1: and, and I mean you know uh, Emma Watson's done okay with you know Beauty and the Beast and and the Bling Ring and stuff like that but I like that yeah Robert Pattinson is a much better actor but there are movies like uh, Swiss Army Man where like you know like good for him for choosing something that is so off the beaten trail that um You know, can actually help sort of enhance a a movie's profile and help a filmmaker. It's the same thing with Nicolas Cage where like, you know, even though Nicolas Cage has done a lot of trash in the the last 10 years or so. If he gets a movie like Pig, he can really help that filmmaker, you know, be a kind of stepping stone for their career and also kind of remind people why he's kind of a big deal. Daniel Craig can show that, hey, I can do this really weird sort of uh, out of left field kind of movie with this or I can even do kind of like I know you're not as big of a fan of it, but like something even kind of as, as small and maybe as sweet as uh what if or as it's known here in, in canada as the f word which is another one of those movies that i think also should kind of be considered like short-term 12 with you know having zoe kazan daniel radcliffe adam driver mackenzie davis sarah gaddon a whole yeah. bunch of uh you know up-and-coming <clears throat> actors that are now very much um you know prominent uh within uh film and television so yeah i I'm not against it. I mean, if we're, if we're getting biopics on Tammy Faye and sure, yeah. you know, everybody else, like why not
0: make it a musical? Like exactly. Not-
1: Have fun with it. Do something <clears throat> sub- live yeah. up to the name of weird Al and do something like, even if it doesn't work, at least you can say that you tried something different. Mm-hmm. Um Christmas
0: story Two. Is happening? Or I guess not two because there was a Christmas story too. There, there's a actually sequel...
1: two a Christmas stories too. So there's um, a summer story or as it's called, it runs in the family from 1991 or 1992 that has um, Charles Gordon and Grodin and um, uh, Mary Steenburgen in the lead roles. And uh, Ralphie is the main character, but all the cast is played by different actors. Um, And that movie is really hard to find, but it's not very good. And then you have A Christmas Story Part 2, which was a direct-to-video film.
0: Yes, there's going to be a lot of weird pauses as I shovel food into my mouth as Eric's speaking. Um, But we're getting a direct sequel to the original Christmas Story, bringing back the dude that played Ralph. Peter
1: Billingsley, star of Spider-Man Far From Home is he he's the guy he's the that. that's ralphie he's the guy that's um jake gyllenhaal's second in command the bald guy right. with the glasses
0: right you're absolutely correct i totally forgot about that and he's in iron man one then right yeah and he directed um, couples retreat and
1: yeah he's become a filmmaker right. now yeah
0: right good for him i wonder it, it, but he's not directing this right or no i think he's just starring in it Right. Anyway, starring um, a Christmas story. One of those movies, not one that I go back to every holiday. Um, I remember watching it as a kid and my, I think my mom really liked it and stuff like that. As a dumb, as a dumbass kid, I always thought that movie was from the fifties and not the eighties. Like I, I did, it took me until like very recently to realize that movie was from like 1981 or something. I think it's eighty
1: eighty three. 83
0: or yeah. Yeah. yeah um but that being said cuz it takes place in the 50s um i always just thought it was from the 50s and i think they did such a good job with that cover and and stuff like that to a christmas story that i always thought it was much older than it was yeah and shot um, in st catharines ontario there you go will they come back we'll see um, and now this one will take place in the seventies and and continue that story. So, the Boogie Nights um, version of a Christmas story or something, yeah, <laughs> something like that. Or seventies or eighties, I
1: forget. Um, the time jump that they would have to do. TBS uh, plays this, or they used all the time, to yeah. all the time. Like there was one year where they played it for twenty four hours straight. Um, and and to your point, like I think I think it's a good movie. I don't necessarily love the film, but I I, I admire it for what it is. I always, as a kid, like my dumb thing i always thought that the voiceover narrator was um adam west um but uh yeah it, it, like it has those like classic moments that you remember like you know i the double dog dare pole. you yeah. with that you know ralphie wearing uh the, the onesie gun. that his and yeah he gave him the, the red it's Roger. an iconic movie yes like that yeah.
0: the lamp the leg lamp fresh right? yeah so <laughs> going going
1: to um uh, the chinese restaurant for for dinner at the end but it's just weird that it's not one that i go back to ever really but like it is it's such a strange it's such a strange movie because like darren mcgavin's probably the biggest name of that movie at the time um but it's not a film that necessarily is associated with like a star being like a big name actor being in a christmas movie it's just selling it on the nostalgia of people that you know grew up in the 1950s specifically who were of that right age in the early 80s but it's also i guess maybe the most interesting thing about it is that bob clark who kind of became an honorary canadian um who since passed away has directed he's probably now best known as or his his career defining moments are doing two complete opposite polar opposite Uh, christmas movies with the original black christmas and um a christmas story both of which shot in toronto and shot in saint Catharines, and you know black christmas is you know considered to a lot of people to be the first sort of pov horror film where you see the point of view of the killer and like that is a great great horror movie and it still i think works quite well today and then you know, that's in the late eighties and then, or seventies. Uh, and then in the early eighties, he goes off and makes a Christmas story. And, you know, like say what you will about like, cause he also directed Porky's and um baby geniuses and things like that. <laughs> and and like a lot of people, obviously like when they reference uh baby geniuses now, they make fun of the point and they should that John Voight's in all like five or six of them that are, that, cause there's like six of these movies. Um, but yeah, I just find that that's very interesting. Um So
0: <clears throat> um, we should have probably uh, went off of our Batman chat into Bong Joon Ho has his next film, and he's it's going to be starring Robert Pattinson. Uh, Warner Brothers, I believe, is distributing it, and yes. it's called Mickey Seven, which is an or unreleased... the book is is, is yeah.
1: called Mickey Seven. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, and who knows if the movie will be titled that, but it's based off of a unreleased novel, which is coming out, I think, in February in a couple of weeks, called Mickey Seven about. Um it kind of has moon vibes to me. Um did you read the the premise of it, Eric, where I did.
1: Well, you know what it yeah. also reminds me of that they're also developing not Warner Brothers, but it's it's and it came out last year as Andy Weir's Project Hail Mary. Mm -hmm. which
0: the Phil Lord and Chris Miller were attached to. Yeah.
1: And then you also have Denny Villeneuve who's working on Rendezvous with Rama, which was a movie that David Fincher was going to make um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, which is about a a group of astronauts that encounter alien life for the first time in distant space. So I wonder like, you know, to your point where, you know, we're, we're getting two Pinocchio movies this year. I wonder if all these these three projects specifically will end up coming out around the same time or if one of them will kind of, you know, go into turnaround because one of these movies gets into, fast tracked or or goes into production first.
0: Yeah. And just shout out to Robert Pattinson, man. That guy's resume since he left Twilight of just going, okay, which all-star director do I want to work with next? And just, which like, weirdo do I want to Yeah. And like I will just go and whether it's like a, a smaller all-star director, a big name director, whatever, but he's just made really interesting choices since he's left Twilight. And um I, I mean just Even uh, Bong Joon-ho choosing his next movie after Parasite took a little while. We're still getting that Parasite TV series on HBO with Adam McKay as well, but... Uh, Who knows how far along they are for
1: that? We got some casting in that
0: too. Wasn't Mark Ruffalo going to be in it? It was rumored um, that Tilda
1: Swinton and Mark Ruffalo were going to be leads in that, but I haven't really, I don't think they ever actually confirmed that. And the other thing that they haven't confirmed is that Tilda Swinton said that she was also going to be in Bong Joon Ho's next movie. So she also might be in this film, but Bong Joon Ho was also saying that he was working on two other films, one that would be completely in. Korea in South Korea. And then the other one was going to be um, a film that was going to be an international movie. That was a disaster film, horror movie hybrid. So,
0: yeah. So you, it does look like this will be the next one though. Cause yeah. it's the furthest along with casting and stuff. Uh, I'm pumped. Can't wait for it. Uh, What else do we got? What do we got? What do we got before we talked about Skydance signing a first look deal with Apple TV plus We talked about knives out coming this fall um and the Godzilla TV series at Apple TV. And the last couple bits of news, uh Mary Elizabeth Winstead uh is joining the Star Wars universe in Ahsoka. Uh we don't know who she is playing, but she uh just got cast in that series. Um I like her. i this will, is good. in intriguing to see who she'll play in the Ahsoka series, so uh absolutely Uh, down for that and then nevis just texted me actually which is something we haven't talked about on the show but the critics choice awards uh they do have a new date uh they were postponed because of the pandemic uh march 13th is the the date right now for the critics choice awards so i feel like we should give that a shout out since we are voting members and uh we'll need to vote on that i guess relatively soon i guess we still have a month which is nice uh, and it's the same day as the BAFTAs. Uh, so oh people are not thrilled with that. <laughs> no. So, yeah. And pretty yeah. close to the Oscars, too, right? Because when are yeah. the Oscars? Well,
1: the nominations are February 8th. So, my we're birthday. Coming up- so happy we'll get birthday to, matt you know, we'll get your, to your birthday a, will be drowned out with uh, who got snubbed and who, who got nominated we'll get
0: to talk about it on my birthday oh we'll get so. to
1: talk about jared leto being nominated for supporting actor on your um, birthday happy birthday matt great and then the
0: oscars are march 27th so pretty close to
1: that yeah so
0: um yeah i remember that they said the nominees are so i gotta wake up isn't it like so early or it's more early for the west coast people yeah it's like it's
1: like like 5 a.m in the u.s and like eight or nine here eastern time Um, yeah yeah i kind of miss the old way that they would do it like back in like the late 90s early Mm -hmm. 2000s where the podium there would be a podium and there would be this like wall with five tv screens embedded into it and like each category would come up and they'd have like five slots and it would say like best supporting actor and like as they would announce the nominees for best supporting actor the name would first pop up on one of the tvs and then the picture of the the actor's face from the film would pop up and then the same thing for each one and i remember the one year that they did that for (laughs) um it was 2011 was for um the 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 year that jessica chastain got her first nomination which was for the help for supporting actress but instead of putting a photo of her from the help they put a photo of her from the tree of life love
0: that love mistakes like that i'm uh i'm pretty excited about it i mean i we talk that we love
1: uh you
0: know award season as ridiculous as it is so um Yeah, they haven't even talked about who's hosting or anything. That it might be Um, multiple hosts. Yeah, that's something that just came out the other day on Variety. Uh, The photo I see right here has The Rock, Selena Gomez, and Kevin Hart. But there was a rumor at one time that it was going to be the three leads of Only Murders in the Building um, with Steve Martin, Martin
1: Short, and Selena Gomez. Steve Um, Martin doesn't seem like he mm. wants to do it anymore. Like there was the time where he did like the last time he did it, which was what, like 2010, 2009. He kind of seemed like he was done then. Like he just didn't seem interested anymore.
0: Yeah. And this, this article is like listing people and how likely they are. So they're saying like the rock, not likely Kevin Hart, not happening. Jimmy Kimmel's not going to do it. So who they want is Steve Martin. Martin Short and Selena Gomez, because it is on ABC. We always have to remember that where, you know, uh, cross promotion. uh, Yeah, cross promotion, corporate synergy, as the kids like to say, Uh, they want to get someone from the Disney kind of brand. so Only Murders in the Building makes sense because it is a uh, Hulu series uh, star in other countries on Disney Plus.
1: Well, you know who's who's best for the role? Josh Duhamel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got promoted um yeah i don't know I, there was rumors that,
0: that tom holland and and or something like that which is and, and zendaya
1: that seems a bit silly Get gabriel f- from uh malignant was considered <laughs> at one point
0: the three spider-man um but I, I don't think that any of that will uh will happen i don't know it, it's interesting like terry I kind funk of, I kind of dug the vibe of the Oscars last year. Um even with the I mean god remember the them not giving out best picture last and they they thought they'd give it uh to Chadwick Boseman
1: and then it just went to uh, Anthony Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins who wasn't even like, there and they didn't allow him to send um they didn't allow god. him to send his own video like Soderbergh <laughs> I, I, I and mean, you know what they were going for and like that's but, but you can't but do that no, for can't. that reason. Yeah.
0: So that's what I, I I liked the toned down vibe of it. There's the awkward moments,
1: obviously, when they were doing the, like. I miss the uh, Oscar clips though. I miss the, not, not the clips that are like montages of, you know, like decades past or like the history of the Academy, but just like the Oscar clips for the acting awards. Because like when you really care about somebody being nominated, like Paul Racy for Sound of Metal, it would be nice to see that. Clip of, and of, especially like, for you know,
0: people who are watching that haven't seen all of the movies, exactly. right? Because I think the majority of people, this is a kind of a piece of advertising for a lot of these movies, even though it's a, a celebration of them. It's like the reason you have the Oscars is to convince people going, "Ooh, that one's award worthy," like, and it gets a bump in video sales or gets a
1: re-release in theaters when that
0: was happening and stuff too so yeah i'm with you. and shout out
1: to oscar clips on twitter because they keep they have this account that posts clips from previous acting nominations from previous years just to see what scenes they choose and it's uh, like the ones that i always remembered and it's fun to see that they get the most engagement because the one that got the most engagement recently and i think of all time for for this twitter account was the stanley tucci um reaction to his clip for the lovely bones because he has been very kind of adamant that he he's not a fan of that movie and <laughs> right. he's not a fan of that performance because he doesn't like the character specifically. Yeah. And so the the scene that they kind of like or the scenes that they used with him, I mean the character being a child molester, um, they show that scene and then they cut to Stanley Tucci and he's like
0: Like horrified. <laughs> and then
1: the other one that is great is um Kate Blanchett who was nominated twice the year that um I think it was two thousand seven for Elizabeth the Golden Age and um I'm not there, the the Bob Dylan biopic that is kind of um, chronicling different yeah. parts of his life played by different actors directed by Todd Haynes when her clip shows uh, or goes for um, Elizabeth her reaction is literally this they cut to her face and she's just like yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah I love that kind of stuff so oh, and Rami I'll...
1: Malik's is amazing as well um, so Rami Malik, like I mean I'm sure you remember this one though Matt because it was more it was more recently but it's amazing when you see they show a scene of Bradley Cooper in a star is born and he's, you know, like giving this lived in performance and actually sings in the movie. And then they, they, you know, and Rami Malik in Bohemian Rhapsody. And it's just him lip syncing and playing, pretending to play on the piano. And you're just like, how did he win? Like, even if you don't love a star is born, like the performance that Bradley Cooper gave in that movie, like, we could did, do many everything.
0: episodes on snubs or wrong people winning or I mean we will Oscar on, on, on your birthday. Yeah, I know. Happy birthday to me. Can't wait. I'm going to follow Oscar clips on Is it just Oscar clips or
1: Yeah, it's it, it
0: should um, be just Oscar clips. I'll find it after this. Yeah. Um Thank you everyone for watching or listening. Uh, I apologize. I ate my dinner while we were (laughs) recording, but I was starving. I had a protein shake for lunch and that's it. So I was uh, real, real hungry. I hope it wasn't too distracting, but it'll make for some funny screen caps. Probably. Um, If you like this, we have a lot of other reviews. We would love for you guys to check out right now. I know we're behind and we owe you a tragedy of Macbeth review. I promise we'll get that to you guys soon. Um, It's just, I don't know with everything. It just kind of fell off. And I know Eric and I do want to talk about it. So you guys should get that. I have uh, a review on soon. Rogers TV. Just plug that. Yeah. Rogers slash cinema scene. Check out Eric's review. He liked it a lot more uh than I did. So uh you might as well just go listen to his review. We might eventually talk about it. But we do have reviews up right now for the aforementioned after party, the first three episodes. You guys can check that out. Uh Peacemaker, the first three episodes. Yellowjackets, the complete first season, Cobra Kai four, that complete season. So a lot of streaming reviews right now. Uh the Kingsman, which will be on Disney Plus Uh, February 18th. uh, February 18th. uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza. Sean Baker's Red Rocket. uh, Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley, which we mentioned on the show. Spider-Man, both a spoiler and spoiler-free review. And Nightmare
1: Alley counts as CanCon.
0: Yeah, it does. Oshawa, yay. Um, I'm curious about the black and white cut that they put out, which I didn't
1: even know they did. Um, yeah well did you see that martin scorsese uh wrote a piece in i think it was like the la times or la weekly that said like you know people need to go and see this movie because you have to support like real cinema and like going i love martin scorsese and and and, like i get his his enthusiasm for a film that is kind of like you know tactile and yeah yeah yeah. but you know it is what it is marty come on and it's also going to be like released shortly on or at least in the u.s on hulu which is which
0: i'm sure we'll get on star here because that's yeah.
1: usually what's what's been
0: happening so we have lots of reviews and we'll have even more uh from streaming stuff coming up soon and theaters are opening next week so excuse me um we'll have five cream we'll have jackass <laughs> we'll have other things so i'm excited for that and then uh if you want to go to the backlog of episodes of this show uh, we talked about uh, the j- legacy of the Jackass franchise as well as what we've kind of been doing to kill time and eating, uh, and eating during these uh, cinemas being closed. And then we also have two fantastic three-hour episodes of the best movies of 2022 and the most uh, – the best movies of 2021. I got to change that title. That's the wrong title. Um, and the most anticipated movies of this We're year. We're professionals here. That's funny. I just caught that now. Um I did not realize that that's uh, – I didn't catch it either,
1: so it's on both of us, not just you.
0: And then the Moon Knight conversation. If that all sounded way too convoluted – Uh, You can get those on YouTube and podcast services, Uh, but just head over to our letterbox, which is Untitled Underscore Movies. We keep that uh, updated with all of the links to our YouTube reviews, and then in the reviews, you can also find links to the podcast versions and and everything over there. So that's probably your easiest one-stop shop for everything. Remember, this Friday the 28th, we are doing a live episode of this show at 5 p.m. Eastern, uh, 2 p.m. Pacific. It'll be myself, Eric, and Greg Miller of Kind of Funny. We'll talk about uh, video game movies. We'll talk about day and date releases. And the Hardy the hell, Boys. Yeah. Who who the hell knows what else we'll talk about. <laughs> Royal Rumble is this weekend. Will we talk wrestling? Maybe. Um, you'll see. Um, but uh, until next time, as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at UntitledMoviePodcast.com. And you can follow me on all those social medias
1: at Matt Roarbeck. And I'm Eric Marchion. You can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash CinemaScene with reviews, as Matt mentioned, for Tragedy Macbeth and uh, Matrix Resurrections and things like that. Uh, And you can find me on the social media. Things we just didn't
0: do here for some reason.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And The Lost Daughter. Uh, And uh, you can find me on the social medias at EM6211. And where can we, where can they find you or or find us as a show, uh, you know, one-stop shop, Matt?
0: Untitled underscore movies on Letterboxed. Yes. Until next time. I hope Josh Duhamel
1: uh, joins us for an episode.
0: God, wouldn't that be great? Bye, everyone.